Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again, a program presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization working for social change for over 25 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're having a conversation about an issue that has almost become a taboo in Australian public discourses, especially when suspicions about our own involvement are raised. We're talking about slavery. And as it is such a big theme, we'll devote two programs to it. Even with two programs, we'll have to restrict our conversation to summarized points. First, about the history of slavery. Then, the ways in which it became, at least seemingly, eliminated as part of the political economies of modernizing countries and nations. And finally, about the ways in which it actually continues to exist. And in fact, continues to be part of the global political economy of capitalism. So, first to the history of slavery and some links to its disastrous reverberations to this day. We have drawn a lot of this information from Howard French's recent book, Born in Blackness, Africa, Africans and the Making of the Modern World. And we will put the reference on the program website. European seafaring ventures into the Atlantic Ocean from the early 1400s onwards were driven by its merchants and power holders yearning for ties with Asia, as French calls it, and the promise of exotic but valued spices, textiles and precious metals. Mm, that's right. Uh, there, there was a desire to find more secure and safe pathways by sea um, from Europe rather than uh, overland eastward over the old silk routes. Yeah, as de- depicted in the assumed Marco Polo heroic and danger-laden stories that have been conveyed to us in the aftermath of the Crusades. But that's yet another story. Yes, Jacques, it is another story. <laughs> so um, the first real impetus for Europe's so-called Age of Discovery uh, was the search for the gold riches in the heart of Africa, with these gold riches made famous at the time through legend and, and through history too. So starting this quest was Portugal, um, which ha- was blocked from overland trade routes to the east by Spain, so Spain being between Asia and Portugal. So Portugal opted to go south by sea, hugging Af- the African continent's Midwest coast and establish- establishing coastline posts to trade goods uh, from Europe for gold. Mm. Yeah. So the Spanish, of course, eyed this lucrative gold trade jealously and they set up their own trading by sea. Mm. It took three decades for Port- Portugal to set up a port in Elmina in today's Ghana on Africa's west coast, when travelling south, 
around the African continent in their attempt to reach India and its riches, both the known ones and the assumed riches. Yeah. And, Jaka, I think we really need to be clear that the European expansion around the world from the 1400s, it wasn't so much driven by its superior technology and navigational skills as... A dominant narrative has it, yeah. Um, Portuguese and Spanish seafarers actually cut their navigational teeth on these coast-hugging routes on the west coast of Africa to acquire gold. Um, And it was only much later they were able to venture westward. So for people who are navigationally um, compromised, (laughs) west on your map is to the left. So it was only much later they were able to venture westward across the Atlantic Ocean to what we now call the Americas, and which in their understanding of the world, um, the Portuguese seafarers' understanding of the world, was the back door into India. So, and in any case, listeners are confused. Yes, India is most directly to the east of Europe, (laughs) and the Americas most directly to the west of Europe across the Atlantic. Uh, Still, these places were confused in the Europeans' navigational knowledge of the time, hence Indigenous people in America being called Indians, and that they thought they were in India. And, And I should add, which would all be excusable, except for the ongoing myth of Europe conquering the world through superior navigation and technology. Mm, That's right. So to put a historical account right, at this time other nations had vastly surpassed the seafaring and navigational skills of any Europeans, notably the Chinese and some of the peoples able to navigate the Pacific Ocean. Right. And European colonial expansion, as I just suggested, was driven and justified by its own assumptions about its superior civilization. Uh, lands to be colonized were considered then either empty space or inhabited by people who were inferior anyway and needed yeah. civilization. Mm. If not subhuman beings, as in the case of those Africans who eventually became slaves. Mm, That's right, which brings us back to our topic for today. Mm. So what we don't hear about all of that is their initial incursions into the African mainland. The Europeans encountered advanced civilizations that were flourishing across northern and central Africa in the mid-1400s and even before then. African people were not primitives being picked from the jungles of Africa. Too many of the concocted stories I myself grew up uh, with in Belgium made it sound a bit okay that we picked them up, as they were just wild barbarians. Indeed, the myth of the white man's burden, which was made up to justify the brutal European incursions of the 18 and 1900s, Presumably, they were justified as our European and divine task to civilize the uncivilized lands, as Rudyard Kipling's poem's title, The White Man's Burden, suggests. Actually, these African nations were sophisticated societies with elaborate systems of government, uh, or governance and thriving economies. Yeah, so a lot of people will be hearing this for the first time. Mm. And the question is, why is history so silent about that historic Africa? Mm. Uh, This is one of the big questions posed by Howard French in Born in Blackness. Mm. 
So the lucrative trade, as initiated and established by Portugal and Spain, and to a lesser degree by Holland, gradually moved from searching for gold towards capturing slaves, mm. a devastating trade in human beings that was to last centuries and decimated African civilizations and nations with, as we mentioned, the effects reverberating to this day. Mm. So Howard French poses the question, in what way could all of this be seen to be civilized or civilizing? Mm, and, he, and I quote him, this European ascension was not founded upon any innate or permanent European characteristics that produced superiority. To a degree that remains unrecognized, it was built on the foundation of Europe's economic and political relations with Africa. The heart of the matter here was the massive centuries-long transatlantic trade in slaves who were put to work by the millions, growing sugar, tobacco and other crash, uh, cash crops on the plantations in the New World. Mm. And that's the end of, uh, French, of, of the French quote. The New World being what we now call, of course, North and South America, including also and especially the Caribbean countries. Interestingly, again, to remind us of that, those islands we now still refer to as the West Indies. Seal, you know, and that, that seals Columbus and the powers that finance his trip mistaken assumption that this was really the Western back door to India mm -hmm. without a dangerous and costly need to circumfere the, the African continent to get there. And the dream for a Western backdoor in India only came up after Europeans belatedly figured out that the earth is around, something Arab scientists had known long before Europeans. Mm, that's right. So with all of this in mind, we need to pose a question Who was civilized and who were the real barbarians? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as to the use of slavery, several, several existing African empires and nations did practice slavery. But it usually was a product of wars over resources and access. And the conquered slaves, they would very much and rapidly integrate in the conquering nation and their communities and become assimilated into the culture of the conquerors, often through marriage and through the services and knowledge they brought with them. Yeah, and, and Jacques, I don't think you're meaning to excuse slavery, no. but um, the plantation slavery of the New World was of a much different order. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> they brought into the modern era mass industrial agriculture. Black lives were costed on plantation balance sheets as it became cheaper to just replace slaves with new ones when they died, um, uh, after an average of seven years by overwork, mm. exhaustion and disease. A and this was considered more economical to let them die and just replace them. This was considered more economical than spending the money on shortening slave working hours and improving their conditions and extending their lives. It was yeah. cheaper just to work them into the ground, grind mm. them into the ground and replace them. Because of the supply which they went again and again to pick up from Africa. Yeah. 
so that the over churn, a, you call it churning churning mm, of that, bodies millions exactly. of them yeah the, uh, so over approximately 350 years of slave transports an estimated 50 to 60 million africans were enslaved transported in unbelievably awful circumstances across the atlantic of whom only about 12 million survived the first two years of their enslavement in the New World. Yeah, so, gosh, only about 20 to 25% then of the captured African people survived the first two years of slavery in the New Lands. Yes, yes, because about half of the 50 to 60 million captured uh, Africans died during their transport to the boats before they left the continent. Half of the remaining half died during the ocean crossing and finally half died during the first two years into slavery. In addition, an estimated 80% of the indigenous inhabitants of the Americas died after the arrival of the Europeans, Mm. something like 70 million people. That's incredible. Because of being killed or dying from the diseases invaded uh, invaded Europeans brought with them. In fact, the entire so-called civilization effort of the Europeans invading the Americas cost well over a hundred million lives. Which is incredible, even in today's population mm, terms. That's yeah. right. So, so we can see that Western ascendancy was built on the bodies of African slaves. Um, despite all the stories we're told about Western ingenuity and superiority and, of course, theft of indigenous Mm -hmm, lands and um, um, decimating their populations as well. So to quote Howard French again, um, through the development of plantation agriculture and a succession of commercial crops, tobacco, coffee, cacao, indigo, rice and, above all, sugar, Europe's deep and often brutal ties with Africa drove the birth of a truly global capitalist economy. Then there was the internal forced migration of black slaves in North America, towards North America, from... no, within North America. That's right, yeah. Uh, In the early 1800s to labour on cotton crops in the South. Slaves were worked to death at the same time as productivity skyrocketed. Yeah, yeah. So, so slave bodies became just another part of the apparatus of industrial production. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. With black bodies seen as expendable, obviously mm. expendable, in mm-hmm. the service of super profits. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, America became... Yeah, the US, yeah. Mm-hmm. A, an industrial powerhouse and a world power. Mm-hmm, that's right. So we'll now go to a bit of music to let that sink in a bit. One Day by Blue King Brown.
been listening to Think Again on 3CR Radio, 855am on your dial and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today and next week, we're looking at the history of slavery in the Americas and the foundations of colonial and racist practices and narratives that continue to this day. As mentioned before the break, the mass industrialization of plantations labored by slaves also involved the extermination or forced removal of of First Nations peoples inhabiting the coveted land in Americas and on the islands of the Caribbean. The dominant justifying narrative, of course, was the superiority of the white European races over supposedly primitive indigenous peoples and peoples of African heritage or descent. Yeah, and I guess as we've been saying, Jacques, this narrative of European superiority was central to the ideology used to justify global colonisation and the exploitation of natural resources, resources including bodies, Mm -hmm. uh, natural resources by Europeans over several centuries. And this is still very much evident in post- and neo-colonial discourses and practices to this day. Mm-hmm. Just, Alarmingly so. Yeah, just look at the whole discourse about development, international development and things like that. Mm. So the assumed official end of the state-supported slavery during the early to mid-1800s started with several Christian denominations in England and later in the US raising moral and what we now would call humanistic objections. There was an almost philosophical battle going on about the status of being human in relation to the African and indeed indigenous peoples being oppressed by the invading and and exterminated by the invading and settling Europeans. Even after the official ending of slavery regimes in the first half of the 1800s, the practice continued for several decades. The celebrated ending of slavery in the U.S., presumed ending of slavery in the U.S. by President Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War between the southern and northeastern states during the mid-1800s actually was not the reason why the war started in the first place. Well, Lincoln didn't really want to end slavery. That's right. Uh, um, He primarily wanted the states to stay together as a union and remain united. That was the main thing. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to um, let opposing slavery get in the way of that. That's right. So his statements to that effect are usually ignored, but they're on the public record. Mm -hmm. That's right. So to finish today's program on the history of slavery, a brief question. Have we had slavery in Australia? During those times, yes, we certainly have. Tens of thousands of Melanesian people, the so-called Canucks, worked on Australia's sugarcane plantations in Queensland during the last part of the the late 1800s. While there is evidence that some came willingly, many others were lured or taken forcibly onto the boats in a practice called blackbirding. Most came from Vanuatu and the Solomon Islands, but others came from the, from New Caledonia, Papua New uh, PNG, Tuvalu, Kiribati, and Fiji. 
The first black bird that are kidnapped, really, man arrived in Moreton Bay in 1863 and worked at, on, a, on a cotton plantation later to become sugar plantations. Yeah, which was during the American Civil War. Exactly. Mm. And the descendants of these Melanesian slaves in Australia have finally received some feeble recognition about 20 years ago mm. in Australia. Yeah, and there's another direct echo of slavery in Australia um, was through former U.S. slaveholders who, after the formal abolition of slavery in the U.S., they were paid out for their losses by that state. Yes, the slave owners were compensated and the slaves themselves were not compensated. So these former slave owners then used their compensation money to acquire vast tracts of land here in Australia on which Aboriginal people worked while their wages were withheld and, and as we know now, they were not just withheld, they were stolen. That's right. And one has to wonder whether the English system of indentured labour was very different from what we understand slavery to mean, a question we will come back to when exploring modern slavery as existing and operating across the global capitalist economy today. So, in spite of some political and historian voices rejecting the claim that slavery was a, was, has a history in this country, widening our understanding of what slavery really means in practical and conceptual terms leads us to affirm that slavery has been used in Australia in this country. And to the great detriment, of course, of several groups of local and imported people. Mm. The colonizing narrative, which has expressed and dominated the practices associated with slavery and invasions and occupations and white settlements, certainly had and still has relevance for Australia. Mm. As we are ever so slowly moving towards that recognition, a brief linking with the contemporary dialogue and political process we are now involved in in Australia. Mm. The, Borderlands will indeed support the yes votes, the, the yes vote for the voice. <laughs> yes vote. <laughs> yes, while not diminishing the importance of truth-telling or treaty, as it now is also happening in Victoria. This is not meant as disrespect to people taking a different position. We believe that all dialogue on this and other sensitive matters should be conducted and conducted respectfully as we all strive to improve our awareness and understanding and uh, trying to, to find the best way for our useful and productive and peaceful coexistence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so next week we'll continue with the discussion on how the slavery problem um, was seen in the US in the 1800s um, alongside ideas of democracy. Um, what was democracy and who, who was it for? Um, who was democracy for and who was it by? Mm -hmm. Who was included, who was excluded in <laughs> what democracy is? Exactly. And um, we've got lots of ideas for next program, but that's probably the start of it. Yes, and, 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 and we'll look at how these mm -hmm. ideas, sorry, mm -hmm. and we'll no. look at how these ideas and colonial ideology affected Australian politics at the mm -hmm. time and into the 1900s. Mm -hmm. And I would also like, sorry, to give a plug to Alternative Radio, which mm -hmm. was on 3CR this morning, which was talking even about 
um, these narratives, these racist uh, narratives um, and eugenic narratives, how they fed into what happened in Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. and it didn't just suddenly appear out of history. It, it had a um, it had a very solid Western historical background. Mm-hmm. Absol- yeah, absolutely, and we will talk about modern types of slavery, as we said. So, a couple more community announcements. Um, Monday, May the 29th, there will be a forum on refugee children. Why is Australia so cruel? Again, a question quite, which is question. quite related to what we are talking about. Mm. 6.30pm at the Kathleen Syme Library and Community Centre, 251 Faraday Street in Carlton and is organized by Refugee Action Collective. Mm -hmm. You can go to https uh, colon forward slash forward slash www.facebook.com forward slash events and then a whole lot of numbers. I think they should just put it in their search engine. I I figure, yeah. (laughs) Refugee Action Collective. That's correct, yeah. And on Tuesday, May the 30th, there is a book talk at the new international bookshop co-hosted by the Search Foundation. It's titled Yearly 50 Years of Resistance. There are free drinks and nibbles for people who like that from 6 to 6.30. And the book talk will be from 6.30 to 8, Tuesday, the 30th of May. The, t- the place again? Uh, a, at the international, the new international bookshop at right. uh, in Trades Hall. Okay, great. Okay. So, have you experienced or seen racism against blackfellas? Report racism against First Nations people with Call It Out, an online register to expose racism. Stand up, be heard, call it out. Go to callitout.com.au. A 3CR supporter. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio and supporting our program. If you want to send us a message, you can email Borderlands at borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programs are available by podcast on your favourite platform or via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, please enjoy Milkumana by King Stingray.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.